0: The following audio is from City Rev Church. For more information about City Rev Church, visit us online at cityrev.org. Uh, earlier this week, I was listening to uh, some worship m- music on YouTube. I was just getting some work done and had YouTube on and a worship song that I really like. And, and uh, you know, it immediately is going to go to another worship song like that. But in the middle, a, a commercial comes on. And I wonder if you've ever seen a commercial like this, because I had never seen this particular commercial, but I think I've seen about a thousand that are exactly the same. All of a sudden I hear this guy from my computer say, I get asked all the time, how do I get my body to look this good? And I, I look at the screen, and there it is, like, flashing pictures of him at the beach, you know, and he's, he's very ripped. And my first thought is, I so know what you mean, buddy, you know. <laughs> I don't appreciate that laughter. That's hurtful to me, okay. No, I'm thinking, I, I think to myself, um, you know, like, wow, poor you. Um, everyone stops you and asks, how did you get so ripped? And he proceeds to go on. He's like, look, I, I just want to give away my secret. I'm not looking to get rich off this. And I'm thinking maybe a little bit. You're looking to make something off of this pitch. And he says, I don't even ever go to the gym. I never work out. I just eat three simple foods. And I'm thinking, yeah, I don't believe you. Okay. And he says, the three foods I eat, he says, and the first one he describes, it's like some mushroom from like the hills of Tibet, okay, and then the next one's like a leaf out of the Amazon in Brazil, okay, and the last one's like pine cones or something like that, that he eats, okay, these are foods that no actual human beings eat, and if they did, they would just, you know, they wouldn't, it would not be good for their system, okay? And so he goes on to describe this, and, um, you know, through the whole thing, at some point, he's like ripped his shirt off, you know, to just show like that what he does is, is for real, and I'm thinking to myself, just once, I would love to see the same commercial, but with a guy who is terribly out of shape. Like, wouldn't you just love to see that? Like, a guy, you know, is like, guts hanging out, and he's, like, actively eating Doritos, okay? And he's like, let's be honest, I look terrible. <laughs> but you're gonna have to trust me on this, I know how I could look good, okay? Like, I just... I don't think he's going to move much product, okay? I just don't think that's going to happen. Because there's this dynamic when you see a someone, okay, that obviously has something that's making them thrive. Like, they obviously have something that you want. When you see that person... You're inspired to say, okay, what's your secret? Like, what do you have that I need? What do you know that I don't know? How can I get that? That's our, that's our influence. That's our, that's our reflex. That's why, you know, that guy eating the Doritos is not going to really get much of our attention, okay? And that's why you've seen that probably same commercial for how to get that beach body that you've always wanted. You've seen that same commercial, like, over and over and over because it keeps selling. Because there's this dynamic. If someone's got it... And they're offering to share with you what it is. And they're offering it to you. And they're telling you that it's it's accessible and it's not that hard, okay? If they're offering it to you, there's something that just as a reflex, we say, okay, I'll take it. And I want to show you a, a passage today that has a similar dynamic in that there's someone, and you hear like their passion, like they're crying out. Saying, I just wish, I wish you could have what I've got. And it's not in a gimmicky way. It's not just like three easy steps. It's not like just a a couple payments of $14.95 and then you'll got it. It's not a gimmick. He's just saying, man, I, he's saying, I wish you could have what I've got. And he says, and then he just goes and he just offers it. And here's the, the dynamic. It's, it's just something that you could have today. It's something that we could turn to today. It's something that each one of us, whether you're a thousand miles away from God, maybe you've never watched a church online, never attended a church Before Maybe a friend invited you today. You're not really a spiritual person. You're not a church person. You just feel like, like I am nowhere near God or don't know much about Jesus. Or maybe you're someone that's been following Jesus for 50 years. It's offered. And honestly, it's not like that surface level thing. Like it's just how I can you know, make more money or look better or feel better or feel healthy or thrive or have good relationships. No, it's, it's speaking to something far deeper than that underneath all of that. I want you to hear what this passage says. And this is a, a particular chapter in the Bible that just means so much to me. It's, it's spoken to me and, and Rebecca and I for many years. It's a, very close to my heart. And I want you to open in your Bible your Bible app to First John uh, chapter 1. Open with me to 1 John chapter 1. I want you to hear what John says. And, and here's what's important as we, as we open up this part of the scripture. It's important for you to know which, who's writing this. When it's John saying 1 John, it's the Apostle John. It's the, one of the followers of Jesus, one of the closest followers uh, in Jesus' closest circle. That's who's writing this. Let's, let's pick it up in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon, and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. Here's what John's saying. He's, we're going to pause right there for just a second. Here's what John's saying. He's saying, look, there's something that I've, I've, I've heard with my own ears There's something I've seen with my eyes. There's something that I've I've had physical contact with. He says, and and he's he's talking about it, and he says it's concerning the word of life. And what is he talking about? That word there, word of life, it's logos. It's the ancient Greek word. This is one of the descriptors that John uses when he's talking about Jesus. So he's talking about Jesus. He's saying, man, this Jesus... This Jesus, who we've, he says, I myself, I've heard him, I've seen him, I've touched him. Now, can we just sit in that just for a second? Can you imagine the types of things that, that John. That he heard. He knows the texture of Jesus' laugh. He knows what it sounds like when, when uh, Jesus really thinks something's hilarious. He's heard the sound of Jesus passionately speaking. He's heard his voice when he's angry. He's heard his voice when he's crying to God. It's a type of hearing, like if he was walking one day and he heard Jesus' voice in a crowd behind him, he would know instantly, he could turn around, he could pick out his voice. I mean, he's heard Jesus. Can you think of some of the things he's heard? He was on the side of a mountain one day And he heard Jesus say crazy things like, you've heard it said, uh, love your friends and hate your enemies. But here's what I'm telling you to do. I'm telling you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He heard Jesus the first time these words were ever spoken on planet earth. He heard Jesus say, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He heard Jesus speak those words. He heard Jesus talk about the way is narrow. Make sure that you've built your house on the rock. He's heard those words from Jesus. Do you know what else he's heard the words from Jesus. One day he was walking with Jesus, and he, they show up on, at Capernaum, and there's this well-known person. His name is Jairus, and he comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, my daughter is sick, and he says, will you come heal him? And Jesus says, of course, and they walk, and there's this huge bustling crowd, and, and all these things happen, but a, a, along the way they get stopped, and, and then someone comes, a servant comes and says, don't bother the teacher anymore, your daughter is dead. But Jesus keeps walking and he keeps moving through the crowd and and ends up coming upon the house and there's wailing and there's weeping and Jesus walks in and John heard these words. He heard Jesus say, Talitha kumi, little daughter, rise. And she came back to life. Do you know what words uh, of Jesus that John heard? He heard one day when Jesus stood outside a tomb and shouted, Lazarus, come forth. He heard that word. I mean, these are the things John has heard. Can we talk about what John's seen? He saw Jesus The crowd that were hungry, they're just hanging on every single word. He saw a little boy come up with his lunch and offer it to Jesus. And he saw Jesus, this is what he saw. He saw Jesus break the bread and, and put it down and take the fish. And he heard Jesus give thanks. And then this is what he saw. He saw as he took his basket and started passing out um, bread and fish. And he looked down and there's nothing depleting from his basket. And he's watching as it just continues to just pass it out. But it's like nothing's leaving his basket as he just keeps going on feeding everyone. And 5,000, more than 5,000 people were fed until they were full. John saw that with his eyes. You know what John saw? John saw. John saw one night in the middle of the Sea of Galilee what he thought was a ghost. But it was Jesus walking on the water like he owned it. Because he does. You know what he saw? He saw waves one day on the same sea tossing and turning this boat he saw the look of fear on his on his brother's eyes and on his partner Peter and Andrew he saw a look of fear these these seasoned fishermen they thought for sure that they were going to drown this was it their last day at sea and how could Jesus be sleeping he saw with his eyes Jesus sleeping in the boat and they wake him up Jesus don't you care and he, he saws Jesus calmly one foot in front of the other stand out and he rebuked the wind peace be still and he saw waves just dissipate instantly he saw the flapping sail just stop he saw unnaturally a storm stopped in its tracks john saw that with his eyes do you know what john saw He saw a mangled and tortured body hanging on a cross, blood dripping down, almost recognizable. He saw a man of sorrows. These are the things that John saw. Can we talk about what John touched? The things he had a physical encounter with? He was at a wedding and he saw as there was they've run out of, of wine and see in the, the back of the house there's a little bit of a calamity as what are they going to do? And he, he saw as Jesus had turned the water to wine, he heard Jesus' words, but then he, he tasted it with his own mouth. He tasted the wine that just stunned the one who was running the whole party saying, what, you saved the best wine for last. Because God the Father had saved the best wine for last. He tasted that. He, he knows what that tastes like. What did John touch? He, he, he touched the shoulder of Jesus as he leaned against him in that final meal. He tasted the broken bread. He drank the wine that Jesus said were symbols of his body that was in blood that was given for them. And you know what else he touched? One day in their darkest hour, Wondering if they'd ever see what happened to the body of Jesus that was no longer in a tomb. Jesus appears in that room. The doors were closed and locked, but Jesus just appears in the room. And he says, Come touch my scars. John touched those scars. Can you just try and fathom with me what John heard? What he saw? what he touched. He says, what he saw and heard and touched concerning the word of life, but he says, that which is from the beginning. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, let me tell you, the things I've heard and seen and touched, this was not simply a man. It was the ancient of days, the one from the beginning." Who was this? Well, look, he continues on. Pick it up in verse two. He says, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. He says, let's stop right there for a second, he says, this is who it was, it was was the one that all of creation had been waiting for, the one we'd been yearning for, It's it's the author of life, the giver of life, life itself manifested. He says, do you know who this is? Let me just give you one of those moments that John heard, saw, and felt something all in one moment, and it was the night when Jesus was betrayed. And they're in the garden of Gethsemane, after dinner. They've sung the hymns, it's late at night. And Jesus pulls John and, and James and Peter aside and says, please pray, pray with me, pray. And they lack the strength, they're so weary, they fall asleep. He wakes them up, pray, but they fall asleep. And he comes back and says, it's, it's time. And they wake up, they wipe the sleep from their eyes and they look and they hear The the clinking of armor. And they see the torches. And they jump to their feet and they see walking into this, into this olive tree orchard, they see walking in this small band of soldiers and leading them right to Jesus is the betrayer, Judas, who walks up and kisses Jesus on the cheek. And they ask him, Are you Jesus of Nazareth? And Jesus says two words back. Just two. He says two words deeply ancient. Two words embedded in the history of God's people. Two words that define who the Almighty, Most Holy Creator, two words that first hit the scene, first hit creation, first landed in the universe 1500 years before that moment. Words that were uttered from a burning bush to Moses before he was sent back into Egypt to let his people go from slavery and freedom from tyranny. Freedom from the land of the grave, freedom from sin and death. Before Moses would go back and be a deliverer that pointed to the one to come, that that would bring about the symbol when death passed over, out of that burning bush, Moses asked, if I go back to Pharaoh, and he asked what God sent me to to him, who should I say sent me? And out of the burning bush, the voice of God says, tell him I am. I am. Sent you. You want to know which God? The only one. The existent one. The one who fundamentally exists. The one from whom all existence flows out of. If there's anything or anyone that exists in all of creation, it's God and all of us and everything else flows out of the great I am. He is the one that exists. And Jesus, in the face of these who thought they would arrest a simple peasant teacher from Nazareth, from a nowhere town, said, Who, you know, is, are you that Jesus that everyone's talking about? And Jesus at that moment said, Two ancient words, I am. And something happened in that darkness on Gethsemane. It says, Everyone else hit the ground heard the words and their knees buckled and they fell down at the words of the one that wired every one of them together in their mother's womb. That is who they dare to arrest that night. The I am. John was there. He heard those ancient words. He saw the effect that the creator has when he's on the scene. And he must have, if he himself was not instantly on his face, he felt something reverberating through his molecules and realizing the power of the one that's holding his body together. He's standing in the presence of that great one. He's standing in the presence of the ancient I am who's from the beginning, who is manifested in those days in human form. He says, we heard his words, we saw it, we, we felt it, we touched him. He says, the one who's bringing eternal life. I mean, isn't that at its core? Isn't that the great enemy that tries to have the last word on every, on every living thing? Death. Death. I mean, there's no other thing in this world that every human stops and says, it's just, it just feels wrong. How could something so common just feel so out of place like death? And it's fundamentally what the great I am, the existent one, came to reverse. He came to bring eternal life. And here's what John says. Let me just read these last two verses verse three that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his son Jesus Christ and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete do you see what do you see what he's saying here He's saying, here's what I want. If I could have one joy this side of heaven, if there's one thing that I want with my life, it's to know that you too have come into fellowship with Jesus. I just, he says, I just want you to have what I have. Can you believe that that's offered to you? That you might get to hear his voice speaking into your life. You might see him at work in your circumstances. You might feel his very presence working in, in you. He's saying that's, that's offered to you. You know, today is, um, today is a momentous day for, for our church. Today is exciting. Um, it's a day we've we've been praying for and working for. It's been a, all as a as a church, all of us working together for this, together to, to launch a, a second campus. But I want us to know why that's a, a big deal. Why is that a big deal? Well, what what's important about that? Because here's the thing: I, I'm just going to be really honest. If it's just about City Rev as a church, like expanding its footprint. Who cares? If it's just about a church like growing a little bit larger, like more people saying that they go to a particular church, that's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Churches come and churches go. It's not that big of a deal. Here's the only thing that matters is there might be another place in our city that's lifting up the name of Jesus. That's all that matters. Today we're celebrating. We're celebrating it. Uh, For those of you joining us online, you're celebrating with us. Those of us here at the West Pines campus, we're celebrating. All of you at the Cooper City campus, we're celebrating. A big party in Cooper City for the launching of a campus. What's the big deal? Here, Here is my prayer. Here's our prayer. It's that when you, when you either turn off City Rev if you're watching online, or if you uh, walk out of the West Pines campus or walk out of the Cooper City campus, I hope when you walk out of here, you're not thinking about City Rev. I hope that you forget the, that, that name because you're so clouded, so moved, so, so much of your mind is just focused on a single person Jesus. Why? For many reasons. There's, a, there's some parents, maybe, that are here, I believe, that are here, there in Cooper City, or sitting right there in Cooper City High School Auditorium, or you're sitting right here in the West Pines Auditorium, or you're watching on your couch, or on your phone, or on your TV. There's parents, and what's gripped your heart is you're your concerned for, for your kids. You, you pray for them. You're worried about them. Maybe you're worried about the direction your kids life is taking. Maybe you're worried about their life choices. Maybe you're worried about the relationship with God. You're wondering like, man, what kind of relationship do they have? Have I done enough as a parent? Am I leading my child in in the right way? Are they making decisions that are going to hurt their life? And you know what you need? There's one person that you need. You need what Jesus can do. Can I tell you about what Jesus did? One time he walked into a city. The name of the city was called Nain and he walks in and there's a funeral procession there's weeping there's a, a mother and her young son she's weeping for him because he's on a, a he's a, on this in this casket as they're walking him through this funeral procession through this this city and he sees the weeping. He sees this, this mother weeping for her child. And it says he was broken with compassion. And he walks up and he puts his hand on the child and raises the son back to life. We need a Jesus that has compassion for our children. And hears the weeping of mothers and fathers and knows how to speak into their life and draw them back to life. That's the kind of Jesus we need. Hallelujah. That's the kind of Jesus we have. We need a Jesus when everything looks hopeless, like what a centurion experienced. He says his, his servant was sick, and he reached out to Jesus and says, Look, Jesus, I'm not even worthy for you to come in to my, to my house. I'm not even worthy of you to do that. But I know you have authority. And Jesus was on his way, and he said, No, seriously, just from right where you're at, even though my servant's across town, I know you can speak a word and you can bring him to life. See, we need a Jesus who's actually on the throne, who's actually in charge of this universe, who's actually the King of Kings. We need that kind of Jesus who wields all authority, the kind of Jesus that has compassion to speak a word and change circumstances like he did when he healed that centurion's servant. That's the kind of Jesus we have, one that has authority over your circumstances that's our jesus the kind of jesus that we that we need is the kind of jesus that our spirit our, the spirit speaks out of the scripture we need a jesus that when we feel lost, like we can't see which way to go, I wonder if there's anyone that's saying, look, I'm just, my life feels so disoriented and broken. I don't know where to go. I can't see what's in the future. There's a time that Jesus was walking along the side of the road and he, he heard a blind man calling out, Jesus, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, bring them to me. What can I do for you? And he says, I want to recover my sight. And Jesus laid a hand on him and healed him, and he opened his eyes, and you know the first thing he saw? He saw the face of his Savior. I wonder if there's anyone wandering, disoriented, feeling lost. Let Jesus open your eyes so you can see the face of your Savior, and you know the way in which you're to walk. Maybe you're someone who feels like I'm reaping the consequences of poor decisions I've made. I, I don't deserve any kind of mercy from Jesus. But here's how great the mercy of Jesus is. There's a man just like that. He was a man that was nailed to a cross next to Jesus. But unlike Jesus, he had actually committed crimes that he deserved to be crucified for. He was a, a thief. And he looked over to Jesus and he says, please, please just I know I'm not going to escape this, but just remember me in heaven. And so great is the mercy of Jesus that he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That is who your Jesus is. (laughs) See, here's the question for us. Here's what us as a church, whether one location, two locations... 20 locations or no locations. Here's what, what we have to be about. It's, it's just Jesus. That's it. That's all that matters. You know, this past week I was reflecting just on a personal note, just taking inventory of the last 18 months or so of my life. And I realized, man, there have been moments of frustration discouragement, feeling disoriented, things that I felt like were for sure and not for sure. And the season just kind of stirred everything up, and just at times just felt a little bit dis- disoriented. I wonder if there's anyone who's felt like that in these last 18 months. Career not being what you'd planned it to be. Relationships not being what you planned it to be. Health not being what you planned it to be. And I wonder if that just made things feel broken and hard to understand. But here's what broke inside of me when I thought about that my circumstances changed. But my Savior never did. My God never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. And what is he revealing in us if we can get so disoriented when our rock is so stable? Our anchor is unmovable. Can we just be honest before God and lay down anything that we've allowed to become our first love other than Jesus and repent of it today because that's all we've got. That's all we need. What are we as a church? We're a church that's called to reveal Jesus. That's it. It's, we're not a church that's gonna give you, it's not, the, the church is not called to just give you tips on how to take a good life and make it a little bit better. No, we're called to surrender our life and follow Jesus. We're not a place to find friends, to find community. No, we come together around the person of Jesus. And as we do that, we find fellowship that we never imagined. Well, we're not a social services agency that's just going out and and just helping the needy. No, we lift up the name of Jesus. And as we fall deeper in love with Jesus, our heart begins to beat in rhythm with his heart. And we can't stand the things that Jesus can't stand. And we have to take action. We simply are cause. We simply reveal Jesus. That's all we do. But here's the question is that enough? Could that really be the entirety of what a church is called to do? Just simply reveal Jesus? Is, is that enough of a work for a church? Here's what the scripture says about Jesus. Is is Jesus enough? It says he was in the form of God, but did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient, to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Is revealing Jesus enough? Is Is that enough for mission? Well, here's what it says in Colossians. It says he's the image of the invisible God. fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross is Jesus enough is that enough just simply for us to reveal well here's what it says It says he's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having become so much superior. Is Jesus enough for us simply to reveal? Here's what it says about your Jesus. One like a son of man, clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. That's who your Jesus is. Is Jesus enough simply for us to give our lives by our life or our death, simply to reveal Jesus? Is He enough? Well, here's who your Jesus is. He's on his head are many diadems and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and his name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses and from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe on his thigh he has a name written king of kings and lord of lords that's your Jesus is your Jesus enough is your Jesus enough to give your life to just simply reveal him he says this at the end of all times he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God and and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. That's your Jesus. That is who your Jesus is. Is he enough? Is your Jesus enough? He's all that we've got. And he's more than enough. We simply reveal Jesus that our city may see and hear their Savior, the one, the only one under the name of heaven that can save because there's salvation in no other name but Jesus. May we, every time we come together, simply remember the name of Jesus. And yet, One full of so much glory and majesty and power and authority is the one that Scripture says this about. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed by our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. By his wounds we are healed. What a gift from heaven. I wonder if today... you who have been following Jesus all your life, but you really use Jesus to just help you do your life your way, I wonder if today you'll repent. Make Jesus the center, not a piece, not an addition, not a part, just make him everything, the center of your life. Because it's all or nothing really with Jesus. Make him the center. You may have even called yourself a Christian, but didn't have the Lord of Lords on the throne of your life. Make him the center. Maybe you're like so many, and each one of us that know you're not a follower of Jesus, so far from him. But let me tell you what Jesus does He takes those who come. And weep at his feet and offers them forgiveness of sins. Find forgiveness today. Find salvation in his name. You can do that right now. Just in your heart, surrender to Jesus right now. Tell him in the silence of your own heart, tell him. Surrender to him. Thanks for listening.